The Bartender Ramp Podcast is powered by CIC Powerbox, your all-in-one portable power solution for commercial and residential projects, roadside assistance, or personal recreation. Call us at 802-468-7697 or visit CICPowerbox.com. CIC Powerbox, wherever you go, go with power. Welcome to the Bartender Rant Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Haley, and I'm here with two very special individuals today. That is right. Even though I'm not here in person, I can feel their souls and just their excitement for life in this podcast popping off the screen. It's 9.51 in the morning on the East Coast, and we are doing a Saturday morning pod. Why do we do this to ourselves? I will never understand. We always find a way to fuck it up. We always find a way to have the worst internet, the worst weather, seven mics not working, um, but we will power ahead. Uh, very excited to bring you guys this episode today. It's going to be a little bit different um, than some of the uh, episodes we've had in the past. You know, we don't always have bartenders that are still in the business, um, but I think this is a really unique guest, just uh, what she brings to the table, and uh, very excited to start unpacking some of her stories from her time in the service industry and then where she is now. Without further ado, I have to introduce my favorite co-host, the only co-host good enough for me, my feather-haired friend, the man whose sleeves look like they've been exploded by like the Roadrunner, and he was, you know, Wiley Coyote. And if you uh, get that reference, you are really, truly a follower of the show. Here he is, Mike Windsor. Steve, hi. You look so smart and handsome this morning. And you look like you really dressed up for an important show with a Forbes top 100 you know, best-selling author. I don't know if I got that right, but you know, I can really tell you dug deep into the wardrobe today and you said, I'm going to bring my best outfit for this occasion. I'm really, you know, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to dress to the nines. I'm going to get my favorite beanie. I'm going to Mr. Reliable, the old hoodie that, you know, just, just God, it's gone through wars and famine and it's just come out on the other side for this particular podcast. I love your wardrobe choice today. When you find something good, you keep it. Okay. Ah, yeah. Like our friendship, you know, yep, uh, it's yeah. weathered and it's tattered, but it's somehow surviving. Um, buddy, what is new? I'll tell you what's new. I've got something really cool. Tell me, new this tell week. the people. Cause I got a, uh, I got a tiny what's new when you're done. Okay. So I, I also want to give a quick shout out to our, our Patreons. Ray, Javier, Regina, Chandler. We're not doing that yet. We're not no, doing no, that I'm yet. doing this. Listen okay. to me. Quit interrupting right. me. All you right. threw me off. Um, and uh, God, who's the fifth Patreon member? You're killing me, bro. Regina, Ray, uh, uh, from from Regina, Las Vegas. Ray, Javier, Las Vegas. Yeah, and uh, Ray. She's very short. No, Lee is. Uh, I don't think Lee is on our. Anyway. God, completely through. <laughs> the reason I'm bringing that up right now is because we are using a new a new software to record, and it, it it's a monthly subscription, and our Patreon members are literally paying for that right now. So I just want you guys to know that if you're supporting the show, like you're literally actually your producers, you're actually making this shit happen. So thank you very much. But something more interesting and more fun to talk about right now. Um, just this last week, uh, two of our longtime uh, listeners. Um, one of them is his name's Leo. He's from Argentina. He just recently moved to France and we've been communicating off and on 
uh, over the course of the last year. And uh, another one of our longtime listeners, Regina from Florida, I just happened to be on Instagram and I clicked on Regina's story and she was visiting. She did a little like European tour and she I saw that she was in. Yeah, this Paris, is so France. Wild. So I reached out to uh, Leo because I didn't know where he was in France. And I said, you know, are you close to Paris? He's like, I'm in Paris. I was like, OK, give me a second. So I reached out to Regina. I told her there's another barfly, another listener of the podcast in Paris. And here's his information if you guys want to get together for a drink. The next day, I get a picture of all of them out at a bar in Paris, France, having a drink. And I can't tell you how much joy that brought me. And, Mike uh, called me. Mike call, I'm behind the bar, and Mike calls me. And his excitement, his joy is just bursting through the phone. The idea that two people would, A, even listen to us, and then, B, uh, the fact that they would have a beautiful connection as new friends halfway around the world was just so cool. And it's, it's awesome that we were able to bring those two people together. So thank you guys for listening. Um, and, and Mike, I'm sorry. I, I had you stumble there. That was an incredible what's new. We've actually had that a couple times uh, happen a couple times now where our listeners, uh, seem to find their way to each other. And I think as we continue to grow this community, this is going to be something special, um, you bar flies, Mike said it on the last episode, you got in early, you got in the ground floor of a startup and man, it sometimes it feels like the wheels are coming off like this morning. Uh, in fact, I'd like to talk to some of our, of our executive producers about getting us a, a hey, we're, true we're, aud we're only an, an audio hour. engineer. Can we're we get an only an hour late, Steve. I mean, come yeah, on, no. we're fine. All right. But, um, no, thank you. You guys are the reason that we are, are inspired to do this. And, and that's such a cool story. And I'm glad they got to get together. Um, I was, I'm gonna I keep... was praying. I was praying so bad. I was like, please, I hope neither one of them are like murderers or something like that. You know, <laughs> like, I don't want to. Wow, you have dudes. a really, what a, what a dark, what a, what a cynical way to look at it, Mike. <laughs> no, but, they know. had a great time. They had a great yes. time. Yes, they did. I just felt, but, I felt partially responsible for that. So I just, I hope they had a good time. And they it's did, wonderful. So. <laughs> um, guys, as we always say, thank you. Uh, for listening and thank you for coming back. We do this for you. Uh, we could not do this without this incredible audience. Um, we love you guys and, and we appreciate your continued support. Please subscribe, rate, review on any platform you're on. That's what keeps us moving up the charts and allows us to grow the show uh, and bring in more listeners to the tent and keep exposing uh, us to more bartenders. You know, a lot of the the people that come on our show are people that have heard of us through a friend that listens or were recommended by somebody. So please keep listening, keep recommending new bartenders so we can interview people coast to coast and bring you some amazing stories. If you want to get more involved, we're not going to give you the information now, but you should listen to the end of the show. It's a ton of fun. Usually by then, Mike and I are drunk. We're meandering. That's when the fun stuff comes out. We'll tell you everything you need to know about how to get involved, um, how to get some merch, how to join us for an industry night happy hour uh, where you can hang out with Mike and I, listen to Bartender Ramp playlists, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, and as Mike mentioned, you can get involved as an executive producer if you would like. Also, if you didn't know this, Mike puts a little nugget at the end of the show. We call it a button. Don't tell him it's a secret. Uh, it is a secret. But if you were potentially to listen to the very end of the show, you might get something special just for you. So listen to that, guys. Please support us um, and help us keep growing this amazing community. As always, we, we uh, give you one disclaimer before we get into it. We want you to be happy, healthy, and coming back, hanging out with us, guys. Uh, you can't do that if you're not taking care of yourself. You know, Mike always says this world is a much more interesting place with you in it. And if you're 
self-medicating if you're just getting worn down by this industry, uh, which, which is just all too common. You need to reach out. You need to talk to somebody uh, and get yourself some help so you can um, be taking care of yourself. Now, look, Mike and I are not professional counselors, but we are here to listen. We've dealt with everything from, you know, a shitty boss to uh, substance abuse to self-medicating to all kinds of other things that this industry uh, has kind of levied on us because it's a hard, hard business to be in. Look, if you need somebody to talk to, reach out, shoot us an email, DM us. We want to talk to you. Um, you know, we want to try to help support you. If you need some professional resources, Mike is going to leave information at the end of the show. It's always the last thing that we put on the recording. Uh, that's a number or a hotline that you can call and talk to somebody. Please do that because we want you to keep coming back and enjoying this fun thing with us. Uh, and you can't do that if you're not taking care of yourself. Um, finally, I am very, very happy to introduce the one, the only Barbara Sloan. Forbes uh, um, accredited author, and we're going to get in a little bit of that, but true blue bartender. She's an old school service industry uh, vet and uh, excited to talk to her about some of her stories and her cocktail, uh, a wonderful classic, a sea breeze, or maybe the fermented sea breeze. I don't know. We'll get into that portion <laughs> the, the, the of it. Rotten, the rotten, the rotten sea, sea breeze. breeze. Thank you. Good, important <laughs> correction. Here is Barbara Sloan and the sea breeze. Okay, Barbara, thank you for your benevolence and thank you for joining us today. How are you? Hi, Steve. Hi, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so pumped to chat. Yes, yes. It's been an um it's been a ride. I sometimes I wish we had the cameras on for all of the pre-show, post-show bullshit. Well, uh, the best part was when she said, just so you guys know, house cleaning, I can hear everything that you're saying when I'm backstage on StreamYard. So that was that sobering. Was, that, that was, was sobering yeah, a sure. sobering moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for next time. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And um, I, I always like to start with asking our guests, why in the world would you do this? Why this show and these two idiots, why would you subject yourself to this kind of interrogation? I love industry people. I love having conversations. I have been in this industry for 20 years. You have either a mental illness or a serious <laughs> love for this industry. And yeah, I just, my conversations with people in the industry are my favorite. Yeah, we have both of those in spades. So um, <laughs> maybe this is the, the, the rare time, Mike, where we have the exact human capital necessary uh, uh, to gain this person's patience. I think if we were not service industry, she would have walked 45 minutes. I think, ago. I think like, it's because she's service industry. She's that's what dealt, I'm saying. She's dealt, but I, but I mean, in the other sense that she's already tempered by dealing with so many idiots yes. on a daily basis. That yes. This was a walk in the yes. park. You know what I mean? Yes. I like, I always like to say the bar is like the comment section of a Facebook post, right? Like you are dealing with okay. so much crazy, so much stupid, so much random, so much also genius, attacked. like so much of all of the things all at once. Yes. Yes. You know, I was lamenting just last night because uh, our particular bar is very popular with teachers. And in Maryland right now, the teachers are on spring break. Um, I don't know your opinion, Barbara, and I don't want to get too much in the weeds here. Teachers, unfortunately, well, they're a wonderful group in society. They're not great bar patrons. For whatever reason, 
they are also people that put up with children every day, right? Just like bartenders, right? Put up with children every day. You'd think that we would have, that we would be copacetic, right? That there would be some solidarity between the teachers and the bartenders. However, for whatever reason, when a teacher walks into a bar, they immediately project the bad behavior of the kids that they take care of during the day. And I don't understand what it is, but I, I just, I wish that there was a little bit more of uh, that, that sense of, of uh, community. Yeah. yeah. Or, or just so interesting to me because crazy. I feel like there's so many, I know so many teachers who work industry during the summer. Th those are the exception to the rule. That is very common, right? Like we have a lot of bartenders on the staff, you know, one or two days a week during the school year and then full time in the summer. And yes, I think those, those teachers are a little different, but the ones that have not had the service industry experience, uh, they don't quite seem to uh, realize that we're doing it. We're playing yeah, the same well, game. A, a throwback to episode 10 with our buddy, Brian, who is a teacher and works in the service industry. He literally splits off and, and pays for his checks separately because his teacher friends are terrible tippers. Yeah. And also he doesn't want them to know how much he's had to drink while they, this has out. been a, this is a good start to the episode. Let's, uh, you know, I think that <laughs> teachers shouldn't get summers off. Uh, let's pay them less. You know what I mean? Oh. These are hot. Hey, listen, these are, no, I'm just kidding. My mother, my mother was a teacher for 20 years. I love teachers. This is not a vendetta against them. Let's keep it moving. Um, I think they can also see through our bullshit a little bit, right? Cause maybe. they see through so much bullshit. The teachers maybe. are like, you could have done better. And <laughs> what we need to do is we need to get kids to start tipping for, education and i, I was actually thinking problem. i was actually thinking we need to start putting bartenders in classrooms but that was that was my <laughs> my take on how to how to get the assimilation really going between the two groups um barbara uh you will notice many a tangent in this particular uh experience but we are going to push forward push forward <laughs> uh, as you said fail forward um as we were trying to get this recording going let's talk about your cocktail that you brought today i love it it is a classic sea breeze i am a grapefruit fan other than a banana or an apple it's my go-to fruit i love it in the morning and i love it even more with alcohol you sprinkle Why? a little you sprinkle a little sugar on top no, of it i like it straight it. up i like the bitter i like the bitter quality of it <laughs> Barbara, why the sea breeze? Tell us what and, is it about this drink that and, you and, love and why you picked it today? And why is it the rotten sea breeze? <laughs> well, maybe we'll get into the rotten part later. Um, so, you know, I have been in this industry for 20 years. And I think over the span of two decades, I have worked high end. I have worked dive bars. I have been the lead bartender creating a, a you know, a cocktail menu with craft cocktails. Over that amount of time, you have a lot of signature drinks you go through a lot of iterations as to the type of bartender that you are. And so when I think of signature, I think of my first, right? Okay. Like I go back into my bartending history and I think of the first recipe that I ever memorized. And that was a sea breeze. And it, it, it almost just reminds me of where I came from and my roots in this industry. And so to me, that that is the signature. It's like it's where I came from. It's the first cocktail I memorized. It's the first cocktail I made on repeat. It's the first cocktail I recommended because it was the only one I knew. Um, so <laughs> I like to bring it back to the beginning. That's I, why got, I, chose the I got two important follow ups here. Number one, what kind of bar were you working at and where that the sea breeze was such a was it you said it was on the menu? No, okay, no, no, no menu. <laughs> right. Okay. It was just a cocktail that you learned, but where, where were you working at the time? Just give me like a geographic location. 
Um, so this was a crazy time in my life. It probably would have been three geographical locations. It would have been Detroit, Los Angeles, and Las Vegas. Okay. Not sounds um, I usually associate with a sea breeze. Makes me think of the New England East Coast area for some reason. Um, but that's awesome. Uh, probably because of that's where cranberry bogs are, yeah, right? For sure. Yeah. The second question is this. Do you have your own, like, kind of almost mnemonic system or memorization technique to distinguish Seabreeze Bay Breeze? Because early in my career, uh, there are always those drinks that are like sister drinks. You know, like they're right there on the edge of they involve some of the same ingredients, but they don't. And if you forget, it, you've clearly not made either drink correctly. Um so did you have one to distinguish Seabreeze, Baybreeze, how you remember it? No, I feel like there's those people who um, work smarter and those people who work harder. I'm definitely someone who works harder. So okay. I was always just like note cards and like the rough, like pounded okay. into your fucking head. And then okay. there's those people who work smarter and they're like, no, I'm going to create the system to make it easy to remember. I was not that person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, those systems that you're talking about are often uh, very rudimentary and stupid. Mine in particular is, is that the way I remember Seabreeze is the sea is salty and briny and grapefruits are bitter and I, I don't know. I kind of like put all those terrible, terrible I, device. I put all those kind of coarse flavors together in my head. And then a bay breeze is easy and the water is calm. And I don't I know calm cranberry. You know, I mean it has no it has no honest to God true connections, but that's the dumbest way that I'm able to remember these sorts of things. Whatever gets you through a shift, Steve. Yeah, dude. Whatever gets me through life. I mean, if you think that that's strictly an application to creating cocktails, you are sorely mistaken, my friend. That is how I got through my academic career. Um, okay, well, let's talk about how you make yours because I think that that's important with any of these cocktails that we profile um, on the show. Everybody kind of makes theirs different, even if you do it to the letter of the quote-unquote classic recipe. So teach the people how to make it, how you part it, and then I'm going to tell them a little bit of the history of the sea breeze. Yeah, I, I'm going to go back to like my roots and say that I didn't know how to make it. I just knew what was in it. So like I threw in a shot of vodka. I threw in a shot of grapefruit juice and I filled the rest up with cranberry. Oh, right. So like, I mean, now I know it's a it's an ounce and a half, an ounce and a half and three ounces. Um, but I think going back to the beginning, I was just winging it. And so it was just like, uh, let's get it to a good color. Mm. You know, love it. Love it. And uh are are you ever the type that uses uh um do you do you have like a particular grapefruit or cranberry yeah, or anything yeah. like well <laughs> do you have any go-to recipe i mean i know a lot of people uh, especially here in maryland a fresh press is a big big deal you're not fresh pressing cranberries but you see like with the grapefruit juice no, like I said, I've worked in a lot of different types of establishments. So the craft cocktail scene, you know, where you're making it fresh and I've worked in it where it's on the gun, you know, like, yeah. so, you know, you, there's, there's a big continuum of where you can take this drink. You can take it, you can make it super lowbrow and, yeah. you know, quick and you can make it really craft. And that's, I think what I like about it is that it can transition from, you know, the dive bar to the high end bar. Love it. Well, if you're listening along out there and you've got your cocktail poured up again, we're talking like 1.5 ounce, two ounce, maybe of that vodka, uh, and then fill her up until you get that desired color. Um, and I think you got to kind of make it a little bit your own, but, uh, if you are listening along, don't just do that. Make Drink sure along. you're also, yeah, that was a weird way. Let's try that again. <laughs> 
Uh, if you've made your cocktail, don't just listen along. Drink along. Yeah. Cheers. 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 Um, <laughs> now, this is always, uh, you know, this and the Paloma are um, always go-to drinks of mine. I find the grapefruit, uh, one of those cocktails, or I should say any grapefruit-based cocktail, one that's not as sweet, a little bit more palatable for me. I'm really not a sweet forward guy. So you get orange juice involved. You get pretty much any other juice involved. I'm kind of out. Pineapple, orange juice, right? Like stuff like that is just way too much. But the grapefruit has that wonderful, bitter, dry quality to it. It's like it's like its own category of wine that we are uh, introducing into the flavor palette. So I love that when I'm out drinking and especially for like a brunch drink or something. Now, uh, this cocktail in particular dates way, way back to the 1920s. It is one of our classic prohibition era cocktails. Now, the f- interesting thing, like many of the sh- drinks that we profile on the show, the fundamental recipe has tra- changed drastically. Initially, this was actually a gin cocktail and it involved grenadine. So it was cranberry, gin, and grenadine. That's what gave it that color. Um, but it was more of a cherry kind of flavor. Now, as I think about that version of the drink, I don't love the idea of cherry with grapefruit. Um, I'm sure that the sweetness kind of balanced out the bitter, but I think cranberry it was uh, destined to kind of be the second part of this drink. Uh, throughout the 1930s, as bars refined uh, their cocktail programs, you know, uh, uh, Cranberry became more commonly used behind the bar and grenadine started to become more of a secondary tool and and a very small flavor additive. And this drink developed into a very consistent um, uh, cocktail recipe. What I found most fascinating about actually researching the Seabreeze is the uh, power and influence of ocean spray on the commercial market. So a lot of people have heard the name ocean spray. You know, the, uh, I always think of that famous TikTok uh, where the guy is riding on a skateboard, drinking out of a carton of uh, cranberry juice, yeah, just right. having, you know, living his best life. Um, but one of the things that we don't realize is how massive of an industry ocean spray is. I mean, they dominate the cranberry and juice production in the Northeast and their lobbying arm is actually like very, very strong. It's uh, it's actually up there with things like the dairy lobby. Uh, and so in the 1950s, Ocean Spray actually made uh, concerted efforts in local legislation in the Northeast area in multiple different states to start uh, to start getting Uh, government subsidies and tax breaks for certain juice and mixer production. So cranberry juice and grapefruit juice was able to more or less compete at a higher rate than other mixers and additives. They also got particular branding um, application uh, from uh, the SEC to where they could uh, really focus into the cocktail market. So that's where you see like, Ocean Spray has their line of gallon cranberry and grapefruit juice in the stores, but they're also able to can them in those smaller cocktail cans, Mm -hmm. really start selling commercially to bars and restaurants and in the service industry. So it's crazy how this particular drink, other drinks like the Cape Cod or like a Greyhound, were kind of used as tools to say, 
drink more cranberry juice and drink more <laughs> grapefruit juice. It's kind of like the, uh, um, you know, got milk campaigns of the early 90s in some ways to really push uh, that the dairy lobby put money behind to really push milk consumption. So I, I kind of found that interesting. Mm -hmm. That's that's some of the things that we we love as consumers are really just diabolical plans of corporate <laughs> businesses to, you know, slowly grind us into the financial dust. But hey, it's delicious. So there's that too. Um, <laughs> not to it's capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there really should be a cocktail called it's capitalism and it won't taste good, but it's what you're, it's what you need. Drink your medicine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway. Hey, before we get into the drink, then too, I just I did also just want to say because I loved this when Barbara told me this. Uh, your your typical go to drink is also just whiskey neat, right? Yeah, my go to was always just whiskey, nice. and then also something with grapefruit. I like to be punched in the face when I drink. <laughs> yes, and so yes. it's like if it's not bitter and it doesn't you know burn, what's the purpose? Yeah, there you, go. you know, people always ask when I'm behind the bar, kid, do you want to take a shot? And I go, well, we can do the big three. You know, Jameson, GM, and Rumplemints, those are all bartender water. And when they say no to that, they go, uh, I, I go, would you like tequila? And they go, sure, let's do tequila. And then I remind them that I like rail tequila. And uh, that's usually where the conversation ends. Um, yeah, I usually like to say I own, um, I'm gay. And so one of the things I always like to say is I'm only going to bed with Jack or Jim. <laughs> <laughs> those are the only men I'm going to bed with. <laughs> A classic what about jamie come on what about jamie jamie can come too <laughs> all right barbara well we like to always kick off the show with what we call our drinkton now this is kind of like linkedin where you're flexing onto your career but this is all about your service industry career so three big questions how'd you first ever get into the service industry Number two, what is the extent of your experience? What positions have you held? And then three, where are you now? Are you in? Are you out of the business? Kind of, or what's your relationship to the business? So first off, how'd you first ever get into this crazy game? Yeah, so I think the first thing, I was a paper girl at the age of 10, and I loved getting tips around Christmas. Like, I loved Christmas. I was like, oh my God, just like extra cash for being me. That's awesome. Like, I just loved the whole concept of being tipped. Um, and knowing that there was no cap to how much I could earn if I could just like be better. And so when I was in high school, I worked a bunch of jobs and one of my first service industry jobs was, I don't know if people will remember this, but there's a restaurant called an A&W, which is like hot dogs, oh, yes. beers. Mm -hmm. And oh, so yes. they had those classic roller skating waitresses. It was It was like car hop style serving. You're talking to two boys from middle America. Okay. Mm -hmm. We know A&W. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that was one of my first industry jobs was, you know, waitressing at an A&W. How are your skating skills? My skating skills are on point. On point, okay. So on point. I, roller I, skating, uh, rollerblading, ice skating. I'm I'm from Michigan. I can do it all. Did you, did you <laughs> was work? The, was was that? Go ahead, Mike. Was the roller skating a requirement or was it optional? It was um, optional. And it was like they were still closing down. And so they were closing and opening a new location. So I remember the pavement being like full of potholes. Like they weren't even repairing the, yes, the, yes. the parking lot at all. So it was just like craters and divots. So yes. yeah, at that point they were like, you can wear skates or you cannot. Yeah. 
Yeah, like skating through a war zone, and there's just like yeah. IUD impact holes. Just some every... ro roller derby action while you're getting served. Yeah. Jesus. Now, was there any asshole that you worked with that was like, "I'm doing inline inline skates. I'm not going with the four. Okay. I just always assume that there has to be some asshole named Troy working at a at a place like that that's gonna come out with his inline skates. Um. All right. Question two. Tell us about some of the positions you've held. And you can rat-a-tat-tat these. You can kind of go in chronological order, whatever you want. I just want to give people an idea of from A&W, root beer girl, to, you know, at where you grew in the industry. Kind of tell us about uh, that that club. Yeah. In addition, right. where, where in the world have you worked as well? Yeah. Okay. So I was a waitress, a bartender, a go-go dancer, a stripper, a fetish performer, a sideshow showgirl, a circus performer, a flair bartender, a pole dancer, a coyote. I mean, you name it. If it involved tips, I did it. I wow. was cater waitering. I answered Craigslist ads for cash for pretty much any like backyard gig, people in-home bartending. I did so much random stuff and I was working all over the country. So I lived in, I was from, I'm from like a little small suburb of Detroit in Michigan. Okay. And I moved to Los Angeles. I lived in Las Vegas. I lived in Boston. I lived in New York. Like I moved around the country for over a decade and anywhere I would move, I would pick up a service industry job. I also worked in construction. So I always like to say that I worked Dirt in the day and dirty in the evening. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> lots of bars, lots of clubs, lots of restaurants. Yeah, you, I, I love I love the I love how blue collar <clears throat> I love how blue collar your sensibilities are. You start you, you you snuck it in there, but you start very early in your life as a paper girl. Like like just the the desire to go out, make money, and hustle is in your very DNA. You know what I'm saying? Um and, and then I did not have you pegged as doing construction. First time we probably ever met, but I love that you're like, give me straight whiskey, punch me in the face with my alcohol. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shovel and I'll throw some papers around, I'll sling some drinks around. Like I like the fact that uh, you know, you're not you're not too uh too big for any task that is presented to you, which you know, today has been its own challenge, but uh that's probably where the patience comes from. No, I can can I ask? I've got to ask. And if you don't want to, you don't want to answer. That's fine. But you brought it up. Can you can you tell me about the fetish performing? Can you get? Uh -huh. Can you? I've never heard. Yeah, I've never heard that particular title. Yeah. Um. So really, being a fetish fetish performer, you're in the sex work category, and the work is also on a large continuum. So there were things as vanilla as me being hired for a corporate gig where I would dress up in full latex and then I would just like whip people for photo ops, you know, like, <laughs> okay. and that was, this was okay. pre, pre, uh, uh, the me too movement. <laughs> this, is, this was still considered an okay corporate function. <laughs> <laughs> and then things as extreme as like, I was hired to be a master of ceremonies at an orgy, right? Like I wow. did, I would be, I was hired for a lot of random fetish gigs. Um, and some of it would involve, you know, the traditional paddles, whips, putting someone on a St. Andrew's cross, you know, like props, toys, like lots of different things. And I, just like you guys, like I just figured stuff out. People were like, oh, could you do this thing? And I'm like, 
Sure, I can. I can absolutely do this. Thing. Fail forward, right? Absolutely. I don't. I don't want to know what failing forward at an orgy looks like, but uh, we'll just leave that one. I also didn't know here. orgies had master of ceremonies, <laughs> yeah, which is wonderful. Which begs the additional question: Do orgies have like valets? Is there a guy that does coat check? You know what I mean? Like you need to be able to direct people where to go and what to expect. Right, right? like the house rules. I, I as as we're talking this out, I have to say I'd like a little bit of organization with my orgy personally. You know, I don't want to come in and just be like nobody knows where to start and what to do i'd have to imagine <clears throat> that a little bit of a ringleader would help um you know that's incredible uh, I love that's that. fantastic all right question number three uh you know where tell us where are you now and and i you alluded before the show that you're not in the, in the industry right now but you are kind of in a peripheral sense very very involved and so tell us a little bit about what you're doing now um and and uh and how the business has kind of graduated you. Yeah. So most people who meet me today know me as somebody who owns a women-owned and operated construction company in the heart of Manhattan. I build um, really fancy luxury condos and co-ops along Central Park. Um, so I work with really, really high net worth individuals. In my almost non-existent free time, how I spend it is advocating for people who work in tipped positions. And how I do that is through a number of ways. One is through, you know, writing letters and lobbying. And the other way is through working directly with people who work in the tipped industry. So I do one-on-one -on -one financial coaching. I recently published a book that is geared completely for people who work in the service industry. It's a 101 basic guide to personal finance for people who work in the specific industry because they're really left out of like the wealth building world. And no then doubt. I also do, um, I also do talks. So speaker. So I will come to your bar, your restaurant, your club, and I will give a talk to your workers about how they can improve with money and get better. Awesome. That's wonderful. And that's, is that something that you do strictly in the New York area? Or do you go nationally and, and speak at, uh, to service industry employees? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to line it up with a physical book tour. Like right now I'm doing a podcast tour for mm. the book. Sure. Um, and then eventually what I hope to do is do a more physical tour across the country and then do a lot of those talks when I'm at those locations. That's awesome. wonderful. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's uh, top of mind. Uh, definitely for me, I've, you know, I've been very lucky as somebody that's been in the restaurant business for 20 years to have an opportunity to get educated, have an opportunity to build a, a quote unquote, more quote professional opportunities. Um, but the restaurant business has always been that safety net and something I've fallen back on. And I've known so many people um, who have made a career out of this that it's impossible for them to get a mortgage. It's impossible for them to start uh, basic things like a Roth IRA. It's impossible for them to uh, even like get advice on investing um, or consolidating debt or making a budget just because people are unwilling to work with them. And so... I what I thought was so fascinating about tipped when we first were introduced to it, and again, that's Barbara's uh, a book on a service industry financial um, education, was that it felt to me a lot. <clears throat> excuse me, it felt to me a lot like rich dad, poor dad. A lot of those tenants directed specifically to someone like me and the people that I work with, and that has been. Uh, sorely lacking and, and something we've really needed in this industry for a long, long time. And so I can't tell you how much it's appreciated since we've been introduced to you. I've shared this with a lot of friends of mine who are service industry full lifers 
that are kind of in the housing market or trying to understand what that next move to financial legitimacy uh, is for them. So they, well, and, it's and really, really, really quick too, Barbara, I just want to thank you again. And for all the listeners, uh, the reason that Barbara is on the show right now, Barbara reached out to us. Um, it's like you said, you're, you're building condos and stuff along central park. So, I mean, this you're, you've, you've obviously done very well for yourself. Um, Barbara reached out to us because she wrote a book called tipped. Uh, you just got, uh, listed as, uh, one of the top five personal finance books for 2023 in Forbes. She's on our podcast. Yeah, thank you very much, Barbara. Appreciate this. Um, but it, <laughs> this is it, her it, helping. It, this is her helping service industry. Well, truly, people right though, now. <laughs> it's, it's it, it was very clear when we talked to Barbara that she genuinely cares. You genuinely, genuinely yeah. care about people in the service industry and and uh, you know wanting to help them uh, figure out some financial freedom for themselves. So we're going to do an entire other uh, little episode uh, this week. We're going to release it on Wednesday. Um, where we're going to dive into the book and you can find out more about the book and find out some more information on that. But I just wanted to kind of give that little background um, yeah. because yeah, just it's, it's very clear that you have a lot of passion for, for the industry and for the people who work in the industry and you're truly trying to provide some resources to them. And uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us. That's what, right. Steve? So no, I was just going to say great plug, Mike, make sure you listen to that episode as well, especially if you want to learn more about her book and about financial wellness. But today is about the Bartender Rand podcast and Barbara's <laughs> wonderful appearance on it. And you guys know what's next. There is no avoiding it, Barbara. It is time for the gauntlet. Are you ready? I was born ready. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I expected nothing less from you. Um, guys, you know what time it is. It's the gauntlet. Okay. Barbara, question number one of the gauntlet. Pet peeves and misconceptions. Tell people about your pet peeves or misconceptions about the service industry or coworkers or customers, whatever it may be. My biggest pet peeve about the misconceptions of the industry is that it is presumed that this is some sort of moral or ambition failure and mm. that the people who work in this industry are not highly skilled. And when I try to relay it to people, I'm like, anyone, I, I own and operate a multi-million dollar company and everything I needed to know to run a multi-million dollar company, I learned in the fucking service industry. I learned time management. I learned how to sell. I learned quality assurance. I learned how to use people as a resource. I learned how, like every single thing I learned in the service industry. These are highly skilled positions, highly skilled people. You're yeah. getting to figure out how to raise the energy of establishment. You're getting, you get to learn how to entertain people. There is so much nuance and so much skill. And also that these positions are highly needed. You might be the only smile that somebody gets in a day. You are there to say, welcome. These are important roles to our community and to our economy. This industry, lifts up the other businesses in our local communities and economies. It raises the price of our real estate valuation, you know, like, so I, I, when people are like, oh, these, these people are not skilled or they need to get real grown up jobs. I, I think that's the thing that pisses me off the most. Do you think that that, um, oversight, right. By, uh, non-service industry professionals, do you think that that comes from a lack of experience primarily with the business? Because I've hired people, I've hired a lot of people in the corporate world and I've hired a lot of people in the restaurant business. 
And what's interesting is when somebody walks in in the restaurant business, I couldn't give two shits about their experience. Personality, work ethic, effort, the, the intangibles, if they're there, I can teach. And for whatever reason, even myself, somebody with service industry experience in the corporate world, I, I automatically go to relevant experience um, as an initial qualifier. Do you think that um, some of that hesitation of quote unquote non-industry professionals about saying industry people don't necessarily have skills, do you think it's a lack of understanding of what the service industry provides in skills? Yeah, I think it's definitely a lack of understanding. I also think that there's a little bit of jealousy there for people who are oh, okay. not in the not in the industry. I think they're like, "Oh, how do you get to do this?" Okay. It must be because there's no skill. It must be because, you know, there's nothing there's nothing to this. Right? Like it's almost demonized or villainized because they want it for themselves a little bit. <laughs> I, I do I do sense that projection uh, at times in my career when I have somebody come in and be like, is this all you do or what else do you do? And I look at them and I know what they do for a living. And I'm like, man, you know, you can make you can make 80, 90 grand doing this and enjoy your job. You do know that, right? Like and and uh, um, it's interesting when people kind of uh, uh, push those buttons, but you're right. They're almost projecting something that they wish they had. I, yeah, I love that because we we've had this pet peeve multiple times where you know pe people in the service industry are seen as lesser, but this is the first time that we've had the uh, looking at it through the lens of maybe they're just a little jealous that yeah. they don't get to work in a in a job that they enjoy like that. So there I, I is a that. lot of freedom in it, you know. And and b when Barbara was talking in the drinking category about uh, all these different positions that she's held in, you know, in service, whether in the restaurants or in other capacities. Uh, I love that, you know, you have the freedom to hunt down whatever you want to do. And mm -hmm. it's led you to a job, uh, a life in the construction business, which is so cool. So, yeah, in Manhattan, for God's sake. Yeah. 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 And I worked both of those careers in tandem. Yeah. Like anywhere I would move, I would get a service industry job first. And then later on, I would find some some little side construction job or something mm -hmm. that that is it, it's it's something that we don't talk about enough like if if uh if a world ever exists where i have children it's going to be mandatory uh their service industry time at, at, how do you least, know you don't already have children steve there's a fair to decent chance <laughs> i i have drank too many beers over my time on this planet but um no uh i i just there's a I was going to say, there's a comedian that always does this joke. He's like, people, uh, millennials who never served in the service industry, it's like people who didn't serve at Vietnam, like draft dodgers. <laughs> yeah. And I just find that comparison to be so hilarious. And it's, it's true, but I think that there, unfortunately, there are less draft dodgers in that particular comparison. Um, no, I, 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 uh, I love that point. And I, I just think, you know, I, I think it's it's amazing to have this safety net. I hired probably 15 brand new baby bartenders this past year um, at, at, a, at a location where I was the GM. And every single one of them was either on the precipice of graduating college, just graduating college, or in a master's program. Every single one of them. And I told all of them the same thing. You can work here for six months and make some money. Or, or... You could really learn this, like what I'm trying to teach you, you could learn this. And then no matter what happens over the next 10 years of your life, the 20 years of your life, 
in the crazy wanderings of your career, you'll have something that you can fall back on. Mm -hmm. You hate your job, quit and bartend for a month and find a better job. You want to move to a new city, but there's no opportunities. Move there and bartend and then find an opportunity. It is an incredible tool. And that was the thing that I, I kind of taught them from day one. This is a tool. Use it to the best of your abilities. Um, I also consider it to be like a expedited masterclass in entrepreneurship. You are getting to see yeah. the beginning, middle, and end of a transaction every single day. You're doing back of the envelope math. You're doing cash management. Like it, you run your own little company, whether you're running a bar, whether you're running your sections as a server, you're running a company. You're, you're so, listen, you're so right. And I'm glad you said that because I think we've been circling around the point I, I, I really want to make here. We as service industry professionals, especially the three of us who are are looking from like a bird's eye view at it, you know, on a show like this or for you with your book, we need to um, bring a greater awareness up of what skills you're actually earning in this business for the people that are in the trenches right now. I think so many service industry uh, professionals underestimate what they're learning or underestimate mm -hmm. themselves or the skills that they're acquiring. Oh, I'm just a bartender. Oh, I'm just a server. Oh, I just bullshit waiting tables. Well, you do, but like, are you keenly aware of the skills that you're learning there? Can you see them in a uh, larger application? And that's why I love that you go around the country and you speak to these people, because I think some of it is just jostling them and waking them up and saying, mm -hmm. You don't even realize the value of what you're practicing every day. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and and so I I um I love that. I love that uh uh this really is its own ecosystem of uh full life cycle sales, full life life cycle relationship building, long-term relationship building, client relations. Uh it's 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 really incredible. Um, in that regard, no, and it's so, it's it's truly it's it's truly an inspiring way to look at uh, just going into a regular shift. I, yeah. I really love that. I really do. Well, we're going to keep your feet to the fire here. Let's move on to question number two: best and worst tips. Now, these can obviously be monetary. That's what we think of in the business. Ah, you stiff me. Oh my god, a hundred dollars. That's an incredible tip. But they don't need to be monetary. I'll let Mike explain. Yeah, these can also be things that guests have left with you, you know, something special. It could be a piece of advice even. So we just want to hear about some of the uh, interesting or things yeah. or gift, some of the interesting or some of the terrible things that guests have left with you or haven't left. So my best gift or my best tip was also my worst tip. Okay. okay. All right. Um, so I was working at a tapas, T-A-P-A-S place. Um, not what my mom heard the first time I told her. Um, <laughs> it was a long, awkward pause on that phone call. Um, <laughs> fast forward a year later. Um, so I was working at a tapas restaurant on Las Vegas Boulevard at the Fashion Show Mall. It was called Cafe Babariba. It was like a Spanish, Spanish restaurant and bar. Um, it was New Year's Eve. And it was insane. Like, I don't know if you've been to Vegas on New Year's, but like the strip is just insane. Like fireworks, it, it's just nuts. So I had a huge section of bar people that were doing like a private event. And I ended, I closed out their tab at like, and they gave me a $5,000 tip. Wow. And I was like, this is incredible. I went to my manager. I was like, 
please just go double check with them that this is what they want to leave me. Like, this is insane. Um, and so they went to them. The guy was like, best night of my life. Like, so good, right? Had him sign off on it. He's like, you're good to go. Um, I come in the next day and oh, there no. had been a phone call. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was regretting his choices the next day um, and took it down from five grand to five hundred bucks. Oh, wow. That's the thing about tapas. The small plates really, you know, it doesn't put quite the foundation on the stomach, you know, and you start boozing. The wine's flowing. And the next thing you know, you're three sheets to the wind throwing extra zeros on the end of that tip line. Yeah, this is a classic thing of what you were talking about on some of the other episodes too, Steve, is somebody trying to like act all big in the moment, you know, big high roller. And then I'm the a next baller, day, yeah, Jack exactly, Collar, yeah, $5, no, I just left her a $5,000 tip and the next day waking up with a, a headache and some regrets on that. So, yeah. Now, I do think there needs to be a rule here that if you make that kind of grave mistake, we need to split the difference, okay? Agreed. Let's call it let's call it 2500. 2500. We'll yeah. How did <laughs> how did this get divided by 10? You know, what what happened here? Did somebody literally take a chisel and knock that other zero off? How good was this guy's handwriting? That's the question that I really want to it know. It was perfect. Clear. It was crystal. Yes. So crystal clear. Like to the point where I was like, "Are you sure?" and he was like, "Yes." And like, I mean, could not have had more confirmation of it in the moment. Cause you I was know, like, all right, you know, it's crazy. This, this is another testament to how, uh, uh, a skill you'd learn in the service industry patience, because let me tell you, if in any professional world, if you, if, if in your world, you said to a sub, I'm going to pay you five grand for a job. And they showed up and with their guys and start and all the materials and started building shit. And you were like, Oh no, 500. Um, how do you think that would go? <laughs> it sounds like a classic breach of contract to me. And you would definitely have to pay for those materials and that labor time. So I, I just think it's incredible that we have such a, I don't know, cavalier attitude toward this business that we can go on, Hey, throwing around $5,000 tips and then just feeling, Oh yeah, I can wake up tomorrow, call them, tell them it's actually 500. And because it's a bar and restaurant and a service uh, industry, you know, we can knock it back down. Wait, what, what do you think was going through that guy's head? Because $5,000 dude, is... greatest night of his life. What, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. New Year's Vegas. Bro. All of this best, best Barbara, ever. Barbara yeah. tapas. T-A-P-A-S. <laughs> we had the best damn time. <laughs> Mike, have you ever eaten tapas? Have you been so. ever been down to the golf when the Bonita run? It is no. magnificent. Um, okay. I'm all no. trying to go sometime. <laughs> all right. Uh, Number three, worst drink orders. Now, again, these can be a drink you hate to make. This can be a drink that uh, you're just blown away by, like, who even drinks that? But it can also be the worst drinks a bartender may have made for you. Like, you're out and about, you're scared to order a martini or an old-fashioned or something like that. Oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with um, the worst drink that I – that was offered at an establishment that I worked at. Um, and it was a Bloody Mary bar for many reasons. So I was working at the biggest bar at Fenway Park. Um, and if you know Red Sox fans, like they're they're an insane bunch of drinkers. And they partners. sure are. Yeah. Um, and so I'm working at the <coughs> bar. Um, it's game day, right? Like it's a Saturday or Sunday game day. And we offer a Bloody Mary bar. Like 
10 different Bloody Mary flavors, all the chopping you have to do on a game day when you also have to prep fruit for all of this other stuff. You have to do so much inventory prep to offer a Bloody Mary bar. I, I, honestly, it just, I lost my mind every weekend. I was like, this is the stupidest thing we could be spending our time on. You are churning people who have to like in, in a few hours be on their point for this game rush and you are wasting our time with this bloody mary bar bullshit what oh, kind of what, what kind of uh, garnishes did you guys have for the bloody berries oh it was all sorts of bullshit right like it was your typical <laughs> celery and olives and it was just like shrimp and pepperoni they and... went all out with it yeah yeah oh god <laughs> yeah so this is an interesting one the worst drink is is more about process in this particular case, Wait, it's, you guys, you guys didn't pre-batch them or anything like that. No, shut so up, would, shut up. Were, <laughs> yeah, no, they took their and and the reason that they did this was because the bar manager was like obsessed with Bloody Marys. And of so course, like oh. much. Of course, yeah. it has nothing to do with the clientele. It's not even about the metrics of what sells. It is some guy named Stan really fucking loves Bloody Marys, and they gave him a key card, and that's really the only qualifiers <laughs> of why it's on the menu. I just. uh this is a first, right? You know, a lot of our bartenders come on or a lot of our guests come on and they tell us, oh, you know, I'm just scared to order this drink out or, you know, somebody made me, uh, you know, a, a terrible, terrible old fashioned ones or I hate making Long Islands. It's I want to be clear. You don't hate making Bloody Marys, but it's like when we have 40,000 Red Sox fans upon us. Maybe this isn't the cocktail that we need to have 11 versions of, you know? Right. Three hours before this <laughs> yeah. rush. Like you're burning your, I think maybe it's just from being a business owner now to see the mm. stupidity of the process and the the wastefulness of like the upfront effort and yeah. lack of ROI on it. I, people ask me all the time, uh, just because I've been in the business so long, they'll, they'll ask for basic consulting advice on opening a new restaurant. And I will tell them the exact same. I, I always have one piece of advice I give every single time. Do not try to be everything for everyone. Find out what you do well, refine that from even that point, right? Whatever you do well, if it's burgers and you have 10 recipes, knock it down to five, okay? Figure out what your five best ones are and do those exceptionally well. Don't order more product than you need. Don't have a product that only is used for one thing. There needs to be versatility in your menu and your inventory. Um, and I think that that is the thing that too many restaurants make the mistake on. I have had a vendetta against Cheesecake Factory. I understand they've grown from a corporate standpoint, but when I open that menu, I get stressed. I get stressed for the person doing the inventory ordering. I get stressed for the cook that has to remember fucking tarragon on one goddamn item on the entire menu. I hate the lack of versatility in it. I just think that you need to know what you do well, refine it and focus on that. And, and yeah. so when I hear a story like that, I'm like, Jesus, do three good Bloody Marys and let's call this goddamn thing a day. They just so. do what? You just do one good Bloody one. Mary and That's make it fine. spicy or not. Mary. Not have your whole bartender setting up a whole separate ass yeah. bar yeah. with like, oh God. I mean. That's, and, yeah, that's an incredible example. <laughs> incredible example. Um, okay. Tear up for question number four, Mike. Question number four. So this is ultimate mistakes and fuck ups. So this doesn't, ha they don't have to be yours, but they can be, but this can also just be other coworkers or other bartenders or services you've seen out in the wild. But we just want to hear about the times that someone's crashed and burned. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. There's so many that are coming to mind. I have screwed up a lot. Um, 
Fail forward. Is that, that's Fail what forward. You said, right? So I'm, yeah, I'm thinking most of the first ones that are kind of coming to my mind. I remember working, I was serving in this, in this establishment, they had a private dining room and it was like one of those fancy fucking places where you had to wear like the full length apron. Um, and you tied it in the back. And I remember the private dining room was walls of wine. It was, re- it was a really nice wine bar. And, um, the back loop on my apron got hooked around the neck of a bottle of wine oh, and no. dragged it out of the, the, the wall and it crashed onto the floor and, and went everywhere. And one of the assholes at the table was wearing white snakeskin shoes. No, come on, come on. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, wait, wait. White snakeskin shoes. Was this like a cartel? Was, was this like a cartel leader? Like Jesus was- Christ. This was Vegas. I thought I uh, thought snakeskin was hydrophobic. Am I wrong on that assumption? Or I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I just remember he could not have made a bigger deal about this. Oh, of course not. Because um, a guy that wears shoes like that is going to make a big fucking deal of wine. Gets yeah, of shoes. everything. Yeah, 100%. Sure. yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. sir, I'm a waitress. Do you want me to like hand you a thousand dollars or like what? What can I do? I was like, uh. If you want to get those cleaned, we'll take care of the cleaning bill. Like, I'm so sorry. This wine will be on, you know, like I did everything I could do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's just people that you encounter that don't want solutions. They mm-hmm. just want to be mm-hmm. angry. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was just one of those. He was really just excited that he got to talk about his snakeskin yes, shoes did. Yeah. in front of 100%. everybody. Mm-hmm. 100%. Have you seen I think his... I made his day better. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Way all, more all, attention. All day long, he got to complain about that. Just all day long. Anybody's like, yeah, this waitress spilled fucking wine on my snakeskin shoes did you see my snakeskin shoes by the way <laughs> you did just invoke uh one of those uh pet peeves for me that i i cannot stand i hate to circle back here but you just said some people don't want solutions they just want to be angry if a customer comes into the restaurant and i go to do my bite checks my follow-up checks things like that and i'm asking how are you enjoying everything is there anything i can do for you and the answer is oh it's great whatever no we're fine and then we get to the end of the meal where you're paying the check and you say to me well you know the steak was very undercooked oh you know i never got the side of this oh you know my cocktail uh, the coke was flat i'm sorry now is not the time where i can solve your problem you're telling me while you're paying your bill, the only reason you're telling me is for some weird, sick and twisted, like, uh, uh, you know, thing that you get off on where you just want to tell me something was wrong. You know, if you told me 20 minutes ago, could have solved the problem, but you have hamstrung me. You have cut my legs out from under me. I can't solve your problem if you don't tell me. So those people that complain at the end, just, just to get off on complaining. That is one that I, I forever, forever, when I hear it, I'm just triggered by. So um, I just, I, I, I'm sorry those, I had to have that aside. Yeah. No, those, those situations frustrate me too, but I'm also constantly reminded of the fact that like dining out, going to bars, it's a luxury service. Mm-hmm. And so we're constantly getting a new era of people who are able to afford these services and they need to be educated. They need to be educated on how yeah. to be informed and engaged consumers. Sometimes you need to tell people like, Hey, you know, I'm here to listen for that. But next time, make sure you tell me in the moment mm-hmm. and 100%. then I can do something about it, you know? Now, and Barbara, I do understand before we, before we move no, on, I do understand my question. lament. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Uh, I do understand my lament uh, <laughs> does not necessarily include those who don't understand. Cause there are people who are scared to say, sure. Hey, this is undercooked or they don't ever yeah, want to complain. Those people are usually nice. Gonna... 
No, they They're are very nice. nice just, though. Those are the that's nice the person, ones. But that's the person I want to come back. That's the person whose problem mm -hmm. I want to solve. That's the person mm -hmm. who I want to have a great experience. Let me get involved. And so, yes, there are times at the end where I'll say, look, please, please, it doesn't hurt us. We want to get better every day. Bring, I, I'm, I'm your teammate here. Bring whatever you, your issue is to me and let me fix it in the moment. Next time you're here. So, sorry, Mike, yeah. continue what you're saying. No, I just wanted to ask Barbara, before we move on to the next question, can you can you describe this gentleman in any greater yes. detail yeah, with yeah. the snakeskin boots? Theater of the mind. So, obviously, start with the boots. So, building from the boots up. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was he was not from the U.S., um, so I'll just, I'll lead with, lead with that. Had a, had a saucy little accent and, okay. um, <laughs> okay. snappy, snappy little dresser. Okay. Yeah. Was yeah. there, I, I'm sensing maybe almost like a rhinestone. There was some cleavage. <laughs> oh, okay. There was some cleavage was for him. I was, I was thinking like a rhinestone shirt of some type, you know, some, some sparkles or bedazzles. But so he's, he's wearing jewelry. Just the glistening right? chest. Yeah. Um, okay. there, yeah. Okay. Some, some, some bling on the, the cufflinks. Mm -hmm. Nice. Very mm -hmm. nice. Okay. Thank you oh, for yeah. that. This I think we hot, honestly, yeah, you know. he sounds like a character from breaking bad is what he sounds like to me, <laughs> but, um, all right, let's keep it moving. Question number five. And I have to say you are cutting through the gauntlet masterfully. Um, question number five is health code violations. Now, very important, Barbara. We always say for this category, protect the innocent and the guilty. Okay. Um, so one of the reasons that I chose the sea breeze as my as my cocktail was because the first one of the first dive bars I ever worked at had a case or a pallet of expired grapefruit juice. And so the sea breeze was the only cocktail that I knew, but I also knew that the grapefruit juice was expired. Um, so I served a ton of expired grapefruit juice sea breezes, or as I like to call them now, the rotten, rotten sea breeze. <laughs> For some reason, it's conjuring up uh, memories of uh, waiting. It's like, push the sea breeze. The grapefruit's starting to turn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> push the fish. It's about to turn. Yes, absolutely. I um, I, I have to imagine, though, doesn't, doesn't uh, rotten grapefruit just turn into grapefruit wine? Right? Higher alcohol content. Hooray! Like, new cocktail. I I don't know, but I also remember this was during the era when I remember trying to just emulate other bartenders that I had seen. And I, this was like during that time when bartenders would stick the mini straw in to taste it mm -hmm. before they handed off the drink. So I thought that was part of what you had to do. Yes. So I'm like taste testing rotten every, grapefruit juice well, along every, with that. Yeah, but come on. I mean, didn't you have to like watch every time you served one of those and just wait for the reaction? Like, are they going to drink it? Are they... <laughs> yeah so it was a dive bar so honestly they were not i mean that's not not know. not many complaints you know it's funny when we first logged on almost two hours ago at at nine o'clock um i didn't have any finely aged and fermented grapefruit um to make the rotten sea breeze but thankfully you know we took 47 minutes to get rolling and in that time i was able to allow it to rot and fester enough that I could make this wonderful cocktail properly. Um, it was all strategery in that regard. Strategery. Um, oh, I just, I also love that of just the idea of the of the establishment owners just being like, "Well, we bought a fucking case. So, I mean, just go through it." You know? Yeah, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to polish that one off before we get into the next one. Uh, the same place. Um, I remember. Oh God, I made the, the money was so terrible there. Um, and so like I had to get really creative with the bar owner and be like, 
we need to find ways for me to make money or you're just going to keep churning bartenders. Mm -hmm. I remember I would buy a couple of like little Caesars, um, $5 pizzas and I would break them up and sell them for like a dollar slice just to make more money on my shift. You are relentless. A hustler. A fucking hustler. Relentless. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, uh, uh, as somebody who's my entire family is from Chicago, I got great respect for people from the Midwest. You're we're, they are salt to the earth. But there is there is some like Detroit in you like you have there is I, I have I hired like I said, I hired a bunch of bartenders this year. I hired a girl from Flint and she was hands down, not a question, my best employee. This girl would not stop. You had to tear her off the floor because she was always trying to find a way to be like. I'm going to upsell. I'm going to upsell. I'm going to turn this check. I'm going to double this check. I'm going to get more customers. She would go out on the street when we were slow and she would just like talk to people and advertise the business. The next thing you know, she's got five people walking in the door. Oh, Pe yeah. People I, from Detroit, I, man, they are resilient and relentless. One of the other things I had him do because we were just not, not making mm. money um, is I was like, all right, so how about I fill this Jaeger bottle full of flat Coke and if I get people to buy me Jaeger shots, I get to keep the Jaeger money. And so I would just put a rubber band around the Jaeger Shut bottle that was flat coke, and I would get people to buy me shots when they were drinking. And then that I would get to pocket that money. So like I, I was, I was hustling. Hard oh my God. We, you know, listen, if there is a next book, okay. I think, and, and I understand we're talking macro concept right now. You really might need to write the book, The Hustler's Guide to Making More Money in the Service Business, <laughs> Upselling, Side side Hustles, uh, Building Relationships with Customers, but Finding Ways to, to Turn That Into Another Book. I mean, Lord, I've turned more than a few regulars into yard work, washing cars, painting a deck, right? Like stuff like that. But these are, these are killer ideas you now, got right Barbara, here. Barbara, I have a question for you. So- did you ever have like some, you know, a, a regulars or anything that came in that wanted to drink with you and they were buying you shots of Jaeger? Did you have to, ever have to put on the performance of acting like you were getting a little tipsy, even though you were just, you said it was what, Diet Coke? It was like regular flat Coke. Um, <laughs> or like, honestly, it probably wasn't even Coke. It was like Rock and Rye or some shit like that. <laughs> um, no, because usually I would take one or two of the drinks that they were offering and make it a real one for myself and then not pocket that money. So mm. like I was I was constantly drinking on top of that. But like usually if you're getting people, if you're in the mindset of like, I'm having people buy me shots, you can get like people to buy you like 30 shots. You have no business needing to drink 30 yeah. shots. So, <laughs> like, you my, know, my translation, nice she's a pro. She's a pro. Yeah. Okay. Serious. She's a, she's curious. a horse. So, yeah. um, what one other, oh, I was going to say one other health code thing that I just literally still keeps me up at night sometimes. Oh God. It's just, and I'm sure you've had this on the show, but it still haunts me. Is like how many times you've broken a glass behind the bar and not burned your ice. Mm. I'm like, Oh God. Yeah. Like, Ooh. Yeah. I would never now, but in those early years, let's, you're just like, I cannot afford the time. Let's oh, roll I don't the dice. Tell baby. anyone I'm so scared. Let's roll the okay. dice. <laughs> you know, I always oh. think in those moments, uh, for the next 30 minutes, I'm pouring everything heavy because if they're going to swallow a chip, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully oh it goes God. down easy. You know what I mean? Jesus. A little, a little yeah. extra booze in the glass. <laughs> um, I do pour them heavier seriously after that, uh, for nothing else than, uh, may maybe just keeping morale high. 
Um, all right. Don't, don't if, tell people that they're going to come in and break glasses over your ice. No, no. Pour them heavy, Steve. Come no, on. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't. Um, God, what an un, what an unbelievable first half of the gauntlet. We are going to get into a little halftime break, but we will be right back with a very important question. And then the second half of the gauntlet. Welcome back, Barflies. It was a quick halftime. <clears throat> That's right. We opened a new restaurant this weekend, and so I got to get to work. And so we're going to hop right back into this crazy slog uh, called The Gauntlet. But before we do, a very important question for Barbara. You guys listening out there know what's coming. I got to put you on the spot, Barbara. Blue cheese or ranch? Answer the question. Both, but blue cheese first. Okay, fine. That's a wonderful answer. I appreciate the nuance. Let's just move on. All right. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get on my soapbox today about the ranch blue cheese stuff. Yeah. Steve's got to get to work. Way to put, way to put the screws on us, man. We were having a good time. Mike, much like she puts blue cheese first, I put this podcast first. Okay. But the looming thing, the looming ranch behind me. Okay. Are the people that need to eat. All right. I got to get to them at some point. All right. If I'm late, that's fine. We will cross that bridge when we come to it. This is priority. This is my blue cheese. But we do need to be focused and organized. All right. Question number six, ratchet and crazy customers. Now, what's important about this category is it doesn't necessarily just need to be ratchet and crazy. They can also be Michael. Yeah, we've expanded this to be memorable. Sometimes there's those customers that just, you know, have a place in your heart that maybe you want to give them a little shout out. So we do love the ratchet and crazy, but if you have a special person you want to highlight in this category, you can do that as well. Somebody that's made an impact for sure. All right. So I'll set some scene. Um, I'm working at a dive bar in Las Vegas. Um, It was called Lucky's, but I think now it's called the Rusty Spoon. It is located between a motel that rents by the hour and a truck stop. So if you can imagine the clientele that is coming into this establishment, um, those are my guests. And the most memorable one out of the many, many memorable guests that I had there um, was a gentleman who um, would come in at least once a week. And I mean, I just know, I don't know how to describe him other than a racist who believed that the Holocaust didn't happen. Okay, that's fun. Um, that's fun. Yeah. And the one thing that made him stand out as my most memorable person, and maybe we should have covered this in um, tips, but he gave me a Viking ship made out of fingernails. What? Can you just say that again? Uh, I want to make made- sure I heard you right. It wasn't like the internet skipping out there. He made me a Viking ship made out of fingernails. His who's, fingernails? Whose fingernails? Yeah. I would assume, I would assume, I would hope that they were his. But if, you know, if he had a bunch of people chained in the basement, I also wouldn't that's, be surprised. That, that's the other question. Is it is it fingernail clipping? Clippings? Clippings. Okay. If it was like full fingernails, that would be there an, is an obvious qu- red flag there. There's another question we're missing here. Are we sure it was just fingernails? <laughs> we're not. <laughs> to- were toenails at play here? Could like, have been. That's a lot of nails to grow. That's a lot of time. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. craftsmanship that has to go into building something like that. I mean, how mm-hmm. big are we talking here? Are we talking about bigger or smaller than a football? About a Small, size of a football. Yeah, small, a, football. a little smaller than a football. Wow. Um, 
That is disturbing. <laughs> that is can you, really. Can you describe the scene when he gave it to you? Can you describe yeah, that? Yeah, it must have been around the. It must have been around the holidays. That's a health code um, violation. <laughs> the fact that I left it at the bar the entire time I worked there and would not bring it home is is the health code violation. <laughs> you can't have that in a, in a, in a in a food establishment. You can't have that in there. Well, the only food we were slinging was my Little Caesars. Oh, slice. okay. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you could name uh, this place. If you can't, that's okay. I, just, I did. Yeah, I already the did. Rest, it, Luckies it, it was, or the Rusty oh, Spur? It was called right. Luckies, and now it's called the Rusty Spur. Rusty Spurm. Rusty Spoon. Rusty Spoon. Got it. Um, my God, that is no, like I, what? Kid, kid, okay, how how did he give it to you? Were there yeah, words exchanged? Was it in a box? You know? No, it was not in a box. It was just handed over to me, and I was just a I was at a loss for words. I was like, think, think, thank you. Yeah, because you're you're afraid if you if you spurn the gift, then the next you know. Uh, creation he makes will be out of your fingernails so yeah, I, I yeah. That. yeah i mean this is the, these Without are the types consent, of people yeah. that you are like making sure you always leave on good terms with mm. you know yeah no <laughs> doubt you don't want you, you, ideally you want the end of billy madison where steve buscemi puts uh puts billy like crosses him off the kill list that's what he you want to make sure you're not on the kill list but uh yes thank you, you so much i am rare <laughs> i am rarely rarely at a loss for words i have been i have been gabbing since the day i popped out but every now and then something like this comes down the pike that i hear i've got nothing i am i am deeply deeply disturbed by what you have told me it's gonna sit with me for days it really is i don't i don't I, I just can't get the image out of my head. It's so bony. Yeah, it's... I have I have so many questions that we don't have enough time to to get into it now. Oh do you have any God. pictures of this creation, please, or do you know where it still is by chance? Please tell me you do. No, this is, no, I have Ugh. no photos. Um, but when when you th when I think back to a lot of the conversations that I had to listen through, it's just it all just kind of ties together. Mm. You know, when you're like, yeah, the moon, you know, when you're like, yeah, the moon landing probably wasn't real. And like, yeah, know, sure. I mean, like, those are the conversations that I was having. Yeah, the Six million. Yeah, I don't know. That sounds yeah. a little high. It sounds, it sounds sketchy, right? Yeah. yeah, that is a lot. Maybe more people than exist, right? Yeah. <laughs> the people that make art out of body parts. Um, yeah, they they're they're definitely going to have some uh, some interesting ideas, I think. <laughs> Yeah, no my god i love that it was a viking ship too yeah of all yeah. of all things you and, know and, so there is another thing that we're not touching on here you have been very clear that it was a viking ship which tells me that this man is a pretty decent craftsman there wasn't some confusion it wasn't a small boat it's not it wasn't a, a sailboat it's not a canoe it is very clearly very specifically a viking ship which begs the question did he decide the very first time I make fingernail art, I'm making a Viking ship? No. no There's guy... a room at his house with so many things. <laughs> Little Eiffel Towers, you know, uh, 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 sculptures of, of great works of art. There is a fingernail David somewhere in his house. I'm, tell <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. And, and somehow the Viking ship is... It's just it's it's so so disturbing. So disturbing. I, I just My wonder God. if it's still there. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that, that's a little Easter egg. Next time I'm, I'm going to be in Vegas in November. I'm going to go. Yeah, we need to, to the go. Rusty Spoon. I'm going to go ask about the fucking ship. 
You have to go and find out. If we uh, can, if how much should we offer for that? Because I would love to buy that if we could. Oh <laughs> gosh, I don't know. I mean, you should go there and see if they still have it. Uh, the place is unforgettable. It smells like a 1970s porn den and unwanted touching. Like it is. <laughs> yeah, Mike, I think Barbara's going to support me when I say that I will ruin myself financially to buy that. I mean, I think that that's a sound <laughs> investment. Personally, um, I, I just don't. I don't see any other artifact currently known to man with greater value i i would trade uh i, I would trade the god damn it my brain's not working what uh the the rosetta stone for such an incredible the rosetta stone doesn't belong to you steve you can't trade it okay but so I would I additionally you could even you could even do the math on how long it takes for human fingernails to grow yeah, I don't want to do that math. And I don't figure out that how long it took this man to craft this little Viking ship. Mike, Mike, that is nightmare fuel. Okay, I don't want to wait. Okay, well, that okay. Now. Before we move on, one more question: Do you think Barbara that he saved all the fingernails together in one place and then put it together, or do you think he built it as he? No, quit? he built it over time. Yep. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying. There I, was I, there was a substrate, so it wasn't only nails like there were some things underlying that helped take the shape okay. okay so um i could see it being something that he added to mm -hmm. over time <sighs> so much patience it's just it's terrifying the the we have a we have an incel problem in this country all right let's move on what, uh, question, that guy Fox, what are you talking about question, <laughs> question number seven Fights, arrests, and fires. Uh, this is when shit pops off and you see what people are made of. One of my favorite categories because I'm a bit of a pyro. But look, I am really good in crisis. I don't know what it is. I don't know where I learned that skill. When shit goes haywire, I get very calm. It's like my spaz that is usually present goes away. So I want to hear about the stories when shit popped off and then how did people like react to that? Yeah, I'm like you. I, I'm I'm great in the crisis, and I have worked in so many establishments where fights are just a normal part of the process. Like I've worked in a ton of nightclubs. I've worked in a ton of gentleman club type of you know establishments, and so I've worked in a lot of places with security. Mm. But I've also worked in places without security, and um, so I've seen a lot of fights, and I've seen most of them are usually over a girl or two girls fighting over a guy, or like you know it's kind of like, but what makes the most memorable fights to me are when I, when I know a little bit of the behind the scenes. <laughs> um, so I think the two most memorable, I've never been a part of a fire. I did work at a bar in Boston that was um, attacked by like the union. Like they like firebombed. Yeah. They firebombed it because he hired non-union um, yeah. workers. Um, and so they like threw Molotov cocktails at it. Um, so, but that was, that was a, totally separate thing but so fights um my two favorite fights happen probably at the same they're at the same establishment so this is a fancy fancy craft cocktail bar in downtown boston um and the crowd that it would attract would be almost like a jersey jersey shore-esque crowd but think western mass version of jersey shore crowd right so oh uh, so worse accent Worst accent. Um, these, you know, the guys would come in. Everyone's dressed really well, but you also know that the women that are coming with them—it's the first time they've ever been out with a guy with a credit card. Yeah. You know, and they're like so impressed because they're from Worcester. Credit, because they're from Worcester, exactly, kid. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, two guys um, got into a fight over who was going to pay because they wanted to throw down cards. And okay. I, that was just like one of my favorite fights. And then the second one, Did they was pull the their dicks out when they pulled their, their credit cards out. Oh my or? God, seriously. And this didn't happen. This was like a craft cocktail place in the fight. Eye district. So it was like, oh, no okay. yeah. so I had to like jump over the bar and get yeah. involved. That's um, not a great environment for a fight, but no, the second, my second favorite fight that happened there, I, it, it actually involved me. So I came in off hours with some other buddies that worked at different bars and we're all getting drinks. One of the buddies that I brought in went to the bathroom, came back. And I guess on his way back, um, our GMs or the owner's girlfriend was there and she had left her purse on the hostess stand that was around the corner. He went through the purse, stole this woman's phone and wallet. And so while we're sitting at the bar drinking, this is like a coworker, like someone I had worked with for years. While we're sitting there, the owner goes back, watches the the tape and sees that it's him and that he came back to the bar and he's just sitting there with his girl wow. with the owner's girlfriend's stuff in his pockets. The owner knocked him out. Like <laughs> it, and that was one of my favorite fights. I was just Did, like, yeah. So hold on, he just walks up, like so he's watched the footage, right? He's watched the footage. He now just walks up to the bar and just knocks him out, or does he like tap on the shoulder? He's like, hey, but turns then, around, socks him. That get my, is get my awesome. shit back. That is awesome, dude. I, <laughs> rarely, rarely uh, do you get that kind of vengeance in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's teed up. Like, you don't even, you have to have such confidence after you've watched that video. Like, I'm going to fuck this guy up. And nothing's <laughs> going to happen about it. It's going to be fun. I, in, in, in some ways, you're like, this guy opened this bar just for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. He's been dreaming about this. You know what? Now I have a, a follow-up question for that gentleman. I, after he did that, the feeling he must have had is, "I'm a good, I'm a good man. I protected, <laughs> I protected my woman. I got her shit back. I, I served up food, drink, and justice tonight. Right? Okay. That's what he's thinking. I, my follow-up question to him is, would you maybe like that to happen every weekend? Because you don't want bad things to happen to your bar, but it's fun to play Super Oh, Bowl. yeah. You so, know after that, he's checking the footage oh, every yeah. 30 seconds. Has anybody acted up? Yeah. This guy <laughs> this guy is learning how to sew so he can make a black suit and going out executing vis vigilante justice in the middle of the night. This is a Batman origin story is what, I'm, what I think this is right here. He gets off on the idea of, uh, of um, protecting and serving. That is... I felt so embarrassed. I was like, I brought this person into your bar. I'm really sorry about that. Like, I thought they were industry good. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, yeah that sucks. Yeah. You didn't behave badly, but I understand how that can feel. I, God, if I had a dollar for every time I vouched for someone to get into a place that I was working or patronizing just for them to act a fool and ruin it, um, I would have no credibility with any bouncer in, in Baltimore, particularly. But, um, it just happens too much. Um, okay, let's keep it moving. Question number eight. Originally, this category was just sex stories, but now we've expanded it to sex, drugs, and rock and roll. The bar industry is always a party. It's fun. That's why they're jealous, because they wish they were having this much fun at work. So tell the people a little bit about the crazy side, the party side of this business, where people get a little bit debaucherous. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the, the club atmosphere, there's a lot of, a lot of sex. And so I worked 
as a fetish performer at certain, you know, sex forward establishments. And so there was plenty of that and lots of kink on display, like whatever your kink was, it was out there for everyone to see. So in those types of establishments, that was, it was right in front of you. Um, but even in that dive bar that we're talking about, like with the, um, motel between the motel and the, the, the truck stop, truck stop yeah. like the truckers would always have downers, but be looking for uppers. And the women who worked at the hotel that rented by the hour always wanted downers. And so it was just like watching this barter system. A match made in heaven. Oh yeah. Facilitating some of these trades. A classic you know, love like story. A second side hustle on top of my oh. seven other hustles. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was, that was, it's always there, right? It always goes hand in hand. Wherever there's alcohol, there's typically other substances. Never ceases to now, fail. Now, out of curiosity, because so they were at a hotel, so this kind of separates them a little bit from the truck stop. But did you have any lot lizards that came into this into this establishment? Yes. I mean, would you consider these women lot lizards? They're at a hotel, so I don't know if it's if it's the same thing. I mean, they're working ladies. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mean to be crass, but lot lizard for anybody who doesn't know is is a is a truck stop whore. Is basically what what that is, correct? Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, I, I I call it. <laughs> well, not everybody knows <laughs> no, that. I'm sorry. It is what it is. Fuck off. I mean, I because I work with these people, right? Like some of my financial coaching is with a lot of sex workers, sex work and service industry. There's a big overlap of in course. it. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all whores. <laughs> In this yeah. industry. We, yeah, we and sure are. It, we it, sure that's are. really an allegory for all careers in some way, right? Are you, are you, uh, is it the money motivator? Is it the status motivator? It, you know, um, so 100%. So I really, yeah, so, I just, I wanted to say lot lizard. That's really I know, I know. Here's the thing <laughs> Mike is, Mike is incredibly educated, but he not really <laughs> gets off on the, uh, no, he's well read. He's educated. He's a smart man and I think very thoughtful. However, he gets off on the idea of being crass. Nobody likes darker jokes than Mike Windsor. In fact, I'm going to just quickly tell Mike's favorite joke of all time. No, uh, you don't what happens when you put a dead baby in a microwave? I don't know. I close my eyes when I masturbate. That's okay, Tom's, this is the type, this is the type of person that we're dealing with here and so when he when a term like lot lizard pops into his head he feels like it has to spew out his mouth and i don't blame him <laughs> for it but however saying truck stop whore after that was a little bit apropos you piece of shit okay the fact of the matter is there these are, are sex workers thank who you. are deserved well, deserved of our respect and, agreed agreed and i i completely agree i was not said with any derision like, or anything like that and and there is a there is a specialized category of people that specifically target truck stops because truckers move about the country. They got cash in their pocket. They're in and they're out. And so, unfortunately, this becomes a kind of like a uh, ecosystem. That's the commerce. Yes, yeah. the ecosystem. They pull in, they get in their bar, they get in the motel, and then they're out of town uh, the next day. And so it's a very quick hitter, and it, it leaves a lot of opportunity for sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. Um. So. Well, I, we 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 won't even we won't even get into this in this podcast. But I was I was so intrigued too to see um you know the you know your uh, background in the service industry because honestly so, like sex work is something that I would love to eventually have a chance to talk about on the podcast you know what I mean yeah um I think it's uh no I agree it's 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 a service that human beings obviously fucking need and uh 
the best way to handle that would be to, you know, have it to where it is actually, you know, legal and um, to have it. Or, or de, you know, decriminalized. Decriminalized, but to where it, it makes it safer the, for the everyone best. involved in that. The, the ways that we. Sorry, the ways that we take steps toward that is just talk about it more, be more open yeah. about it. So again, I apologize. I was not, I was not trying to be. No, apropos. I know, Mike. I'm giving but you a hard, I, no, I'm giving I'm, you let, hard time. Let's have a separate episode where I come back and I, talk about. I that genuinely part. would actually love that. We I would, would really love that. And really quick before we move on, I do want to say to to speak to all the uh, truckers out there who aren't looking for ladies of the night. Um, I <laughs> I drove by a place. Um, somewhere out in the fucking boonies like west virginia or something on a, on a uh past this place multiple times there's a little sex shop in the country between two highways and i came back there on my way back to kansas and this little sex shop was packed with trucks packed with semi trailer trucks and the i mean the, the 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 logistics of everyone getting in there and parked uh, would have been an absolute nightmare. And you just, when you passed it, you knew exactly what was going on in there. And there were no ladies there. I don't, I don't think at that point in time. So there's uh there's different places to, to, <laughs> That's okay. Sometimes you just need a little booth with a video and some some velvet crusty curtains or a hole in the wall. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) My God, (laughs) Steve, can we move on, please? Help me out here. Question number nine. (laughs) Question number nine. Bar hazing pranks and games. Uh, In some ways, I think Mike is doing a a big deep fake prank right now. Yeah, I got Uh, you. I got everybody. (laughs) Um, No, but bar hazing pranks and games. This is Mike and I's favorite category this is look when you're bored at work when uh it's slow customers aren't coming in how do you build the team morale what do you do to keep yourself entertained um even if customers are in there what do you do to kind of engage them in kind of a fun special way anything that you do that kind of graduates from just your service job to maybe something a little bit more carefree um i'm sure you guys have had this um already previously because you've done so many episodes but my favorite hazing and it's still i i crack up even if i'm just thinking about it is when you tell a new server or bartender that they have to empty the water in the coffee machine oh, yes um one of my absolute favorites like i don't think that will ever get old to me <laughs> like i can just like think about it and crack up like yeah. and it's connected to the water line and it's just never ending and bucket after bucket one of my one of the pranks that was done to me um this was so I had won I had won some bullshit bartending award for like flair bartending and I was flown out to Nantucket for the bar some bartenders ball award show and they were flying us out from um Hyannis Mass um to Nantucket on these like little little planes um and so we're at the airport with all the other bartenders who had won won awards and we're getting hammed like super fucking wasted. And this is the type of airport where you literally just walk out into the, you walk across the tarmac into the, to the plane. And so I think there's six of us on this plane. We're, we're absolutely hammered and we're getting, we're climbing into the plane and you climb in through the front pilot seat. And so we're all in there. And then the last bartender who's been drinking with us gets in, throws on a hat, closes the door, turns around and he's like, don't worry, guys, I've got this. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night and starts like <laughs> fucking with buttons on the plane. And I'm just like losing my mind. Oh, I'm like, my God. get me out of here. And so like eventually the pilot comes up and he's like, you know how many federal laws you're breaking right now? And like 
kicks the guy out, and oh, um, then he couldn't get the plane started. We were all freaking out. Oh my that, god! That, that the bartender like broke it, like hit the hit the self destruct button or something yeah, like that. <laughs> this plane will self destruct in four minutes. Still, it's one of the funniest pranks. What, don't what worry, guys, line, I got this. What a line, too. Uh, don't worry, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, outstanding, outstanding work. <laughs> Oh, this is this is why we do this show because bartenders are fun, <laughs> um, insane. The, yes, insane fun. Uh, question number ten: Firing and quitting stories. You have made it to the end of the gauntlet, Barbara. I'm very proud of you. I would say I'm proud of us, but I can't. We actually believe that we've even gotten here despite our best efforts. Um, tell us about when. Uh, it's time to go out in a blaze of glory. We affectionately call this category, Michael. Getting 86. Yep. So um, the only time I've ever been fired from a bar was um, I took a week off um, to go to a festival. And I remember just going down to the office manager's um, office and crossing out the whole week. Like, so I was gonna be gone the whole week. So I just crossed it off, wrote Barbara's off in the middle and then, then head out. I think it was like the only schedule request I had done. Um, I went away and got a phone call on, gosh, it must've been Sunday. And they were like, you missed your shift. And I was like, well, what are you guys talking about? And they were like, yeah, you were scheduled. And I was like, no, I wasn't. I took the whole week off. And they were like, no, you took Monday through Sunday off. So they had some sort of like bullshit 99 cent calendar scheduler that went from Monday to Sunday on the calendar instead of Sunday to Saturday, like every other normal calendar in the world. <laughs> and so I had just went through the whole week. And yeah, they were like, they were like, yeah, you no called, no showed. And not only that. You were that, a day off for every day. Yeah. I was a day oh off for every day. God. And oh so I God. technically was a no call, no show, which would have been fine if they had like talked to me about it. But I guess the AGM went around being like Barbara no called, no showed. She's out of here. Right. So right. He, he made a point to like tell everybody that. And the GM was like, I can't go back on this asshole who like spouted off at the mouth now. So like, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't have uh. you back. And I was like, all right, dude, you're lost. Yeah. Um, and they, they tried to bring me back later. And I was just like, nah, I'm all set. Yeah, were, were I you, mean, were you at the festival when they called you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. What, what was I the was, festival? It's a. It was called a music. It's a music festival. It was called Mish Fest. So it's like a week of women hanging out in the woods, getting naked, listening to music. It's oh, cool. okay, That's pretty cool. Sounds yeah. like killer some, time. Some, 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 some witch stuff. I got you. It's I got you. Pretty cool. What do you <laughs> keep, now, 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 where does a naked woman keep her cell phone for when her AGM calls to fire her? Like, <laughs> no, no, you walk a mile to a payphone to check your voicemail. Oh, it's and like then you're that. Like, oh, oh it's my like work that. called. Very nice. My work called, so I need to check in with them, and that's when I found out. I was like, all right, cool. Oh, um, and then I, I, I quit a job. I 86 to job. And this was not my strategy. This was actually another server strategy, um, that I learned this from, but I was working at, Oh God, it was like a fucking Capitol grill or some like bullshit high end yeah. steak place. And I remember one of our bartender side work was polishing the wine buckets, like with silver fucking polish. Yeah. The woman who was the side work captain made me do it three times. She was just like, no, they're not clean enough. They're not polished enough. And I'm like, this is a chain. Can you relax? Like, seriously? So um, the third time she told me to do it, I was like, okay, I'll redo them, but I just got to grab something from my car. 
<laughs> I just didn't fucking go there. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Oh. I love I love that her title is side work captain. I was just gonna say that. I love I, I really enjoy that. Side work captain is someone that is begging to be disrespected. Like that is, that is a title devoid, devoid of any uh any regal qualities, you know. You you don't hear that and immediately go, Oh my god, were you elected to that position? <laughs> You know? <laughs> no side work captain has ever been elected. <laughs> oh my God. That's incredible. What a way to bring the gauntlet to the close here, Barbara. You have, I, I I've loved these stories. I've loved getting to know you a little bit. And I can't wait to uh, do a couple more recordings with you. Cause yeah. I think we have only, only scratched the surface. This has been the tip of the iceberg today. And it's, it's been incredible. I've, right, I've, and you, you said this is 45 on your podcast tour, right? Yeah, forty-five out of hundred. Wow, we we we've only this is this is episode fifty-one for God's sake yeah. of our entire podcast. yeah yeah. You can't out you can't out hustle the hustler. We're trying to stay <laughs> yeah, ahead shit. of her, but we're, she's nipping at our heels for sure. You no, know, if you're looking for a side project, Barbara, you know, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, yeah, if you're not busy enough, um, <laughs> right? Uh, all right, let's move on to our final two sections. The first one we call it "How's Our Driving." This is where we're going to clean up the show a little bit. So we want you to take over. Give us any of your recommendations on food, drink, restaurants. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be Manhattan, but it can be, you know, any places that you really love. But this is also a section where you can, you know, kind of critique the show. Maybe there's a question we're not asking or, and we really, really are motivated on this one, recommend a bartender who should be on the show. So take over, give us your recommendations on anything. Uh, plug your book again, please. Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I have a... I have an interesting vantage point in that I've worked in the industry all over the country, so many places. And now I've also been doing this high end renovation work for a long time. And I think one of the things I always like to talk about is good lighting. Like if you have good lighting in your bar or restaurant, it's everything. It's really so freaking impactful. Um, so I can't say it enough. Like if you want your bar or restaurant or club to up its game and you're not sure how, like take a look at the lighting. That's interesting. Um, it, it's okay. from a business perspective, it's probably one of the most impactful things about um, restaurant. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine, you know, it, environment, environment to environment is different, but I can't imagine that's going to be your greatest expense, right? You know, it's, it's something within budget that a lot of places mm -hmm. could control, could do that would maybe really change the atmosphere. Yeah for them for don't sure. don't skimp on that yeah. hire a lighting designer if you can right but that's it's everything for atmosphere and environment um there's a lot of amazing incredible bars here in manhattan and uh, everywhere one of the places i um really loved with great lighting um is in the east village it's called summit um okay. they do a great job they have a little oyster bar they do craft cocktails it's just a really nice little intimate neighborhood bar um yeah, I would totally recommend that as one of my as one of my favorites. That's a great establishment too, and I I, I love. I, I worked in New York for a long time. Love going to the Village, and any chance I can get up there. Employees only is always obviously you know big name at this point, but it was one uh, that I really enjoyed going to when I first started uh, working up there in my twenties. But it's just such an eclectic area. Um, I'm not telling people anything any you know new that they're hearing here but if you get a chance to really explore um that part of manhattan 
please, please do not miss that opportunity. Um, any bartenders that we need to have on the show? Because I, I, I find that our guests uh, generally have the best recommendations in mm-hmm. that category. Some that they really admire or respect that they feel like might be a great storyteller. Just, um, you know, really seasoned bartender to, to be on with us. Yeah. So one of the bars that I worked at in the East Village was at Coyote Ugly, which I don't know okay. if people are familiar with the movie, but you sing and dance on the bar. You hit your patrons. You get girls to take their bras off. It is a spicy damn good time. <laughs> um, and I would recommend any of the bartenders from Coyote Ugly because okay. they put on a damn show. They're hard workers and they see oh the full spectrum of people of humanity in a, in a in a shift it is incredible um and when you work at a place that like sometimes doesn't have a toilet seat you know you you see things yeah you, you, you really you <laughs> the really full, see things. the full spectrum from of humanity uh, i believe on one side of that uh extreme is white snakeskin boots and on the other side <laughs> is a fingernail viking boat and so <laughs> do i have that right you uh, have that right okay and somewhere That's in the awesome. middle somewhere in the middle is a pair of bare tits um which yeah, is well, where i want to live so um, and then ad- additionally barbara um take this let's take this opportunity um plug your book again and then if there's any i know you've, you've done 45 podcasts doing it but if there's anything else you want to shout out any other projects or anything please yeah, let please. people know yeah so the book is called tipped and there's a subtitle it's called the life-changing guide to financial freedom for waitresses bartenders strippers and all other service industry professionals and you can get it on amazon um you can just type in tipped or tipped book um and the thing i'll say is that like reviews are an author's tip so mm. if you get any value from the book or you like enjoyed it or you know hell you just liked the cover um please 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 leave me a review on amazon it's like the best and most important thing you can do, especially for a self-published author. Also, the fact that I included the word stripper in the title of my book got me shadow banned from Amazon. Really? So, Yeah. So basically when I pay for advertising, it really does nothing. Mm. And so it's hard for me to get the, but it was important for me to include yeah. this sector of work Absolutely. Into, yeah. Absolutely. into this audience to make sure that they got, you know, they felt included. Barbara, um, a lot of people don't know, but Bezos is a cuck. And not, <laughs> not in the good sense of that word. Okay. Um, Space cuck. Um, <laughs> so and I, I love that. I actually genuinely would love to have you back on to talk a little bit more about um, the, the, the sex work side of the, the service industry and maybe give myself a chance to redeem myself from my comments <laughs> earlier, but we'll, yeah. we'll see. We'll see if you'll come well, back on. 86 that. lot lizard from your vocabulary. <laughs> no. When, when we do that, when we do that, <laughs> when we do that, I am absolutely bringing up the fact that Mike, when we used to live together in Baltimore in our early twenties, we were doing a lot more drinking than we're even doing now used to regularly when we were out at bars, scream into people's faces i'm the biggest feminist on the face of planet earth no that is not true you make you make so much shit up all right mike was uh mike was a very staunch and adamant feminist but you should you should uh we should unpack his application of that particular worldview i don't remember i was drunk there's a lot of type of feminists (laughs) we're gonna do that another time let's let's get into our wrap-up these are our closing questions for you barbara Two big ones. Uh, by God, it has been a pleasure doing this show with you. And again, I've said it a couple times, but you're 
benevolence for us exceeds what we deserve. I, I cannot. It's I, not. I, it's I, not for us though. It's for the service industry. Yes, she's yeah, here for yeah. the service industry. And 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 you guys should all be thanking her. Any every one of you listeners for her yeah, uh, this, diligently, this lady, her diligently powerful. By Forbes, for God's sake, and yes. she's on. She's on with us. So yeah. thank you very much, Barbara. We're, well, we're, no, we're guys, I'm like I'm super <laughs> thankful for what you do because it is just as important as what I do. And the reason that I'm here is because our people. Uh, our people they're not reading fucking forbes magazine so like i can get every other <laughs> in the world but my people are here yeah you wow. know and i, I want to be where my people are and i i love you realize where you can best help and where you can best reach that audience so um here are our final two questions and and the, the first one is a, a little bit off point because you're not still in the service business but i think you're gonna get the sentiment why do you do this or I should say, why do you still do this? AKA, why do you hate yourself? I I love this industry. I think once it sets up shop in your soul, you, it doesn't go anywhere. You're a, you know, you're a server, you're a bartender for life. And I think that it just becomes a part of your identity, whether you're in a bar or, or not. Yeah. And so I think when it's in you, you just, you, you always find that piece of you. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a special breed of people too, because you know, a lot of people find find themselves in the service industry just out of necessity, but a lot of people, you know, really excel in it. And um, I think there's also just an important part of humanity, just of the human experience of just literally serving, of just literally serving. And there's a lot of meaning that can come out of that. And uh, I think the people that really gravitate to the service industry, I just, I just think they're special people. I, I know myself and I, uh, I occasionally will allow my mind to wander to a world that doesn't have this profession, doesn't have an outlet for me and my spaz and my energy and my ADHD and my nonstop mouth just running all the time. Um, I would be half of a person if I didn't have a, a place to channel all of those things. And, um, it it has so many facets of who I am from confidence to how I've developed speaking with different types of people to being able to read people. All these things were learned in this business. And so I, I don't know what I would do without it. You're right. Some people find that heart and it's part of them and it and it's never going to leave. So um, last question, as we're starting to get a little bit sentimental here. Uh, if you opened a bar, what would you call it or what would the theme be? Okay. I love a theme. There was a, a Beetlejuice bar here oh, in New York City and they had an actor who, I mean, it like was- Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Yeah. The bar was amazing. <laughs> like the, it was so, so good. I don't know if it's still in business. COVID probably killed it, but um, I love a theme. So my my theme, because I'd have to do a theme- would be um, it would be called self help, and in the bar it would be all like the old school wellness crap. Like mm. you would find like a thigh master yes. and shake weights to play with. What's that and, belt that like 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 uh huh? You know, like the uh -huh. turtle belt. Would, <laughs> yep, it would have like um, 80s 90s version um, aerobics videos or like the um, sham wow guy. We'd all be using sham wows at the bar. And <laughs> oh my god, I love this. It would have like classic wellness themed cocktails like the the gluten-free gobbler or like i mean like lots of like so it'd all be like 
making fun of self-help, but self-help. Yeah. I, I, the one thing that we need to have is like the old Freudian, uh, therapy couches just strewn about so you can Mm -hmm. lay down with your martini. You know what I mean? And and we have like all the books on the shelves, the self-help books. Oh my God. Be so good. I love it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just everything for dummies. Like you go (laughs) to the bathroom and that's all of your light reading. That's, oh my God. I love that. And, and very fitting very fitting as we stumbled through another great episode of this show uh, um, to give us uh, to give us an environment that we may go to to one day improve ourselves. Um, thank you, Barbara. Thank you for adding um, another wrinkle to this amazing community with your book and all the work you're doing. I cannot say enough uh, how much Mike and I and the entire community of Barflies are wishing you great success and continued success in this endeavor. Um, but please, uh, uh, continue to be inspired to talk to this business and help this business. I know it's something that all three of us are passionate about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, thank you for sharing the stories that you did today on the show. We had a ton of fun. Um, is there anything you want to say to the people before we, uh, we cut out here today? No, I'm so excited to do the next episode. So please listen. If you, if you liked any of this, please listen to our next episode because I'm going to share some serious financial gems with all of you. That's yes. going to probably change your lives. Absolutely. It, def- well, it definitely I, changed mine. And I love that because Steve, you wishing uh, Barbara success, really it's your, your Barbara's wishing success upon all of, all of you and all of us. So yeah. uh, definitely listen to that episode and we'll really get into the, to the uh, nitty gritty of uh, how to, how to take your uh, tips and, and take them to the next level. That's right. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, go grab the book, Fail Forward, and as always, fuck off. Whoa, whoa, whoa there, Barflies. Before you hit that skip button, listen up. If you couldn't tell from the episode how much Barbara loves the service industry, here's a little bit more proof in the pudding for you. Barbara has offered three of her books to the next three people who subscribe to our Patreon. So it's a $15 value if you just go and buy it from Amazon. If you subscribe to our Patreon, you get that book for free if you're one of the first three subscribers after this episode. Not only that, but Barbara has also offered that after within the month of this uh, release for this episode, anyone who subscribes to the Patreon is going to get a free 15-minute money call with Barbara herself. That's right. You're going to actually have the chance to listen and speak with a Forbes-ranked author on personal finance. Uh, please take advantage of this opportunity. Uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, the links are in our episode descriptions. You can find it on our Instagram. Uh, but please take advantage of this. I would recommend this book for anyone who is interested in uh, getting a better handle on their personal finance. But especially if you are a service industry professional, please consider taking a look at this book. Um, it is it is such a incredible tool and resource for you to be able to take what you're already doing with your life and turn it into a better situation, a better future for yourself. So please take advantage of that. We had so much fun having Barbara on. Later this week, we're going to have her back on to really do a deep dive into her book and talk about the different financial tools that she lays out in that book to help you get, again, a better handle on your financial situation and plan for the future. So please do not miss out on that. 
it, it literally could change your life. And we are so grateful to Barbara for being a part of this and making time for us. Um, so thank you again, Barbara. It was incredible. Um, also, we do appreciate you guys listening along. As always, thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We release new episodes whenever we can, obviously. And as always, a big shout out to our friends at Trauma Parlor, whose song Fast One you heard throughout the show. Please go check them out on there on Facebook, Spotify. We've got the links on our profile. Uh, they just got some really cool music, and uh, please go show them some love. And if you want to be one of our regulars, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and Snapchat at BRP Drink Along. You can listen along anywhere that you get your podcast just by searching the Bartender Ramp Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review. If you can do that for us, it really does help us grow the show, reach new listeners, and just grow our following. The more ratings and reviews, the faster we're going to climb the charts, and obviously we need the personal validation. Uh, don't forget, if you are on Spotify, be sure to check out our playlist. We've got some cool playlists on there uh, just for some different listening stuff. But most importantly, we've got the BRP Industry Night playlist, which each guest that we have on the show gets to add three songs to. So if you really resonated with one of the uh, different guests we had on, go check out the playlist and see what kind of music they're into. Uh, additionally, if you want some kick-ass merch, you can check out our swag courtesy of Campo Design Company at prodigydtg backslash, uh, or par- excuse me, par- prodigydtg.com backslash bartender rant. Also, if you go to our Instagram or our show description, you can find those links as well. And if you just want to hang out with Steve and me, join us on the first Monday of every month for our virtual industry night happy hour. Have some drinks, meet some fellow barflies, listen to guest bartender playlist, and tell Steve and I how much we suck at podcasting, especially Steve, because he was supposed to record this outro and fucked it all up. So I'm having to record it at the end of the night here. So thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. You did that that one thing I asked you to do. You couldn't even do that right. All right. I love you. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media, especially Instagram, if you want those links. Uh, like Again, it's just every uh, the first Monday of every month. We're just going to get together and hang out. Uh, please come and join us. It's always a lot of fun. And if you want to be one of our VIP listeners, please subscribe to the Bartender Rant podcast on Patreon. You're always going to have a seat at the bar and get access to cool stuff like this with uh, Tipped. Uh, you're going to get access to cool um, you know, content and cool opportunities that the other listeners are missing out on, quite frankly. Um, we have uh, bonus content as well, like the Boilermaker tapes, Ranch vs. Blue Cheese Crank Calls, special releases, and a lot more. Um, and if you just want to be a tipper or one of our big tippers, aka one of our Bozells, you can also just leave us a tip on PayPal uh, by sending it to the Bartender Rant Podcast at gmail.com. So if you join our Patreon or if you send us a tip, you're going to also get your name listed on one of the episodes as um, our one of our Bozells, one of our VIPs. It's just a fun way to show that you're supporting the channel and uh, get your name on an episode, which, hey, that's kind of cool, right? You know, you're, you're a producer. Uh, right now, we've got some awesome Bozells. We've got Chandler from a Herd Card Game, such a baddie. We've got Leah Grace. And Leah, oh my God, if you're listening right now, I'm so sorry that I couldn't remember you at the beginning of the episode. The only reason is, is because Leah has gone above and beyond, and she is she's done more for us than just join our Patreon. So that's why I, I mix that up. But Leah, thank you so much for your support. Ray, as always, you mystery benefactor. I kind of hope it just stays that way. And uh, Javier, of course. Love Javier. Can't wait to go see him again in Vegas. And then my dad. Hey, thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. I appreciate you listening along to the episodes. I hope you're proud. <laughs> 
Uh, look, Steve and I do this because truly we love the service industry. We love the people in the service industry. And we just want to bring you guys great content. Of course, this is not our day job yet. With your help, we can keep the stories coming and interview local bartenders from coast to coast. And as always, don't just listen along, drink along. If you or someone you know is struggling with alcoholism or substance abuse, please contact SAMHSA's National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. Their National Helpline is free, confidential, 24-7, and 365 days a year. Look, we love you guys. We really appreciate listening along, but more than anything, we want you to stick around. And you can't do that if you're not taking care of yourself. So if you do need some help, please reach out to the International Helpline. If you're an international listener, please just get online and find a helpline or a help center near you. And as always, Steve and I are happy to talk to anyone. If you, if you need just somebody to, to talk to or vent to, we're happy to be there for you. We can't offer you any professional help, but we really do appreciate you guys being a part of this podcast and we want you to stick around and Steve and I are happy to help in any way that we can to make sure that that happens. So thanks again, guys. We love you and we'll see you on the next episode. Yay! It says upload recordings. Wow! It says live. It says seconds. Guys, you did it. (laughs) (laughs) This is pretty exciting stuff. What what they did was creative. They took a snippet from the end of our podcast segment when they were done recording and kind of used it to light some vitriol and fire in their people. And so, like, I just got a, a bunch of hate from people being like, "If these people want better tips, they should get they should get better jobs, more skilled jobs." And these are fucking people who are real estate agents. I was like, "Do you know that like <laughs> right. most people who leave bartending go to real estate? Right? Like, do you think you're so skilled? You show people houses. Fuck." Like, yeah, and you're literally like, literally, if you don't understand the link between the service industry and real estate valuations, then you're a fucking idiot. Because literally the first thing people do when they look for things like Airbnbs or, uh, you know, where they're going to buy their house, are there bars closed around it? Is there entertainment mm-hmm. close? Is there a good school? But like all these things are parts of the fabric of a community. We've all heard that before. Um, you know, bar t- bar- the the cliche for years in this country for a hundred years was that bartenders and uh, uh, and hairstylists are the true confidants of the community. All right, you are killing it so far, girl. This is honestly the most fun. Like. This is the most fun podcast.